You're listening to audio from Liberty Church in the Harrisburg-Camp Hill area of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org. Well, good morning to you. Uh, if we've not met before, my name is Matt Luloyan. I serve as one of the pastors here of Liberty Church. Uh, and just so we're all clear, after like almost three months of you watching sermons on TV at your home, I'm kind of expecting the same thing from all of you when you're back here, that your attention span is only about three seconds now and that you're going to have to be getting up and down a lot more. So just we'll calibrate our expectations together as we begin the process of regathering. Uh, John mentioned that uh, just a moment ago. But next Sunday, June 7th, we're going to continue our live stream, but after our service, we're going to have uh, what we're calling communion gatherings, uh, 50 people at a time immediately following the, the live stream service. You need to sign up for those in advance so we can cap them at 50 people. So as he mentioned, our website has all that information as well as the link to, to sign up. Uh, but we'd love to see you. We're very uh, eager and looking forward to seeing you and looking you in the eye face-to-face, serving you communion in person Uh, being together, even if it's not our whole church family, with at least a substantial number of us. Uh, But this morning, we're continuing on in our series on the mission of God's people. And we're going to see today that part of our mission uh, is to be a people who are a blessing to the nations. Uh, Some of this sermon is birthed in my own repentance. Uh, I was remembering this week how in my own life and in God's process of preparing me and calling me Uh, to be a pastor and to serve in a local church, part of that process involved shattering uh, what in retrospect was a very tiny view of the way that God worked globally and a very small view of God himself and the global God that he he is. I am so prone to forget that. Uh, Even as God transformed my heart years ago, gave me a huge heart for the world, I'm so prone to forget that and put that on the back burner of life. I can become way too tunnel-visioned about my immediate circumstances and my immediate proximity. But then by God's grace, he at times will renew and will stir again a passion in me to see the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel, go forth to the ends of the earth. And I'm praying uh, that this week and that this morning for myself and for all of us uh, would be one of those times. Mission is one of our nine rhythms of grace that we talk about often at Liberty Church. Uh, And mission, when we talk about that, is both local and global. But as I reflect on that, in the the more than eight years or so of of Liberty Church existing here in the Harrisburg region, uh, we've been far better at the local. We've been far better at the local. And I'm I'm grateful for that emphasis. Uh, I've been part of churches in the past, as I'm sure have some of you, where global mission is so important that the church actually functionally neglects being faithfully present in the neighborhoods and the region that they actually are. They neglect the the local aspect. But it's never meant to be an either or. It's always meant to be a both and. And so today, this Pentecost, let us together be reinvigorated by the word of God and stirred by the heart of God to be part of blessing of God's blessing not only here in central Pennsylvania but indeed to all the nations of the earth. Let me pray for us uh, as we as we begin. Lord of heaven and earth, pour out on us the abundant gifts of your holy spirit. And may the work begun by the holy spirit on the day of Pentecost now continue in us as we hear your word 
and seek to do your will. Amen. Uh, in our survey of a, a few scripture passages this morning, you can follow along on the living room liturgy or on the screen here with me in just a few minutes. Uh, there's two things really that I hope you walk away with today. Two things. A deeper belief and a desire to bless. A deeper belief that the gospel is global, that the good news of Jesus Christ is for the world, is for all the nations. And then a desire to bless, a desire to step into this role, to this aspect of the mission of God that we've been given to bless the nations of the earth. So first, a deeper belief that the gospel is global. God is not a tribal deity. God is not a tribal deity. From creation onward, God claims and God desires to be the one true God over all the people of the earth. And that's different from most other religions and worldviews. In most other religions throughout history, each group of people, each tribe of people had its own God or gods. The Babylonians had their gods. The Egyptians had theirs. The Romans and the Greeks each had theirs. But from the very beginning, the one true God, I am, or Yahweh, refused to be reduced to a tribal God. Now you might be thinking to yourself, well, well, what about the Israelites, the chosen people? Isn't this God the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and then the 12 tribes and all of their descendants? Yes, but, but in the moment that God chose Abraham, and identified himself then with a particular group of people, he did so not only to bless that group of people, but to bless all of the nations of the earth through them. He did that pointing forward to a day when Jesus would accomplish it, and, an even, and then even further forward to a day when not only one tribe, but people from all tribes would be gathered with him around his throne for all eternity. So let's take a few minutes to do a a woefully inadequate, but what I hope is a truly helpful survey of what the Bible teaches about this global scope of the gospel. And we'll break it down like this. The gospel in advance, the gospel accomplished, and the, the global gospel actualized. So first, the global gospel in advance. And I invite you now to listen with open ears to this book that we love. This is Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. If you were to read this in context, which is, how we should always read the Bible. Right before this is the story of the Tower of Babel. At Babel, humanity is united against God, seeking their own glory, seeking to make themselves great. And so the only option for a loving God at Babel, a loving God who knows that life is found connected to him and in him and not apart from him, was to break up that kind of counterfeit unity and to divide people by language into various tribes and nations and tongues. But then right afterward, God sets his favor on one of those tribes, on Abram, who then becomes Abraham, and on his wife Sarai, who becomes Sarah. 
And God says that he will make them a great nation, as we just read, and bless them. But it's not only for them. It's that through them, all of the families, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. It's a global blessing through a particular people. A global blessing through a particular people. What exactly is this blessing? In the Bible, the word communicates fruitfulness, multiplication, spreading, filling, abundance, harmonious relationships with God and with other people. And sometimes, actually, it's easier to define a word by its opposite. The opposite of God's blessing is the curse. And specifically, the curse of sin which entered the world when humanity rebelled against God. And so God's agenda, God's design is that through Abraham, his blessing is going to prevail over the curse of sin as far as that curse is found. Centuries later, a descendant of Abraham named Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, would say in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, that Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, which, is, which are those who are not descended from Abraham, would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So the gospel, the good news of God's salvation for all nations, was proclaimed in advance to Abraham. The global gospel is not only proclaimed in advance, it is accomplished And so Paul goes on to say then in the next verse in Galatians chapter 3 verse 9, So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham. And then just a few verses later, verses 13 and 14, Christ, Jesus Christ, redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of that promise that God made to Abraham. And by taking our sin upon himself, by hanging on the cross, by becoming a curse for us, Jesus accomplishes salvation. Because of Jesus, God's blessing will prevail over the curse of sin. Amen? God's blessing will prevail over the curse of sin. And not only for those who have descended from the family line of Abraham. You do not have to biologically join Abraham's family in order to receive this, in order to worship the one true God. Because of Jesus, faith in him, faith in what he has done, is all that you or all that I need. It is good news, not for one tribe, but for all nations. And this is not a minor point for the Apostle Paul. After his conversion, his entire life is devoted to sharing this good news about Jesus to Gentiles, to the non-descendants of Abraham. If it were possible to trace your spiritual family tree, if there were like an Ancestry.com version of the people who shared the gospel with the people who shared the gospel, who eventually shared the gospel with you, most of us listening this morning would eventually trace that all the way back to the Apostle Paul. And in his letters, Paul is constantly proclaiming this global scope of the gospel. In Ephesians 2, it's how Jesus has made one new humanity out of the many divided humanities, how he has broken down the dividing walls of hostility. In 1 Corinthians 12, it's that Jews and Greeks are all baptized into one body through one spirit, the Holy Spirit. 
And as he closes out this text in Galatians chapter 3, verses 28 and 29, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are, spiritually speaking, Abraham's offspring and heirs according to promise. This is what is so amazing about Pentecost. As if it weren't incredible enough that Jesus kept his promise and 10 days after ascending back into heaven to the right hand of the Father, sent the Holy Spirit to indwell and to empower his followers. When the Holy Spirit comes, what's the immediate result? It's that people from all over the world who were gathered there in Jerusalem heard the gospel in their own language. Acts chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. You can listen along with me as I read this. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. That video a little while ago, people from our church family reading from Romans chapter 8 in various languages. I hope that that stirred your soul. I hope that that stirred your soul. I hope it gave you just a tiny glimpse of the global scope of the gospel and what Jesus has accomplished. Let us always remember it had been promised long in advance. And let us also anticipate it will one day be actualized, fully realized in the kingdom of God. So let's talk about the global gospel actualized. In the book of Revelation, the apostle John sees a vision of the consummation of the kingdom of God. In Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, read this way. After this, I, the apostle John, looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. A great multitude from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne of God, worshiping God the Father and Jesus our Savior for days without end. As much as we Rejoice this day in how the gospel has spread across the globe, how it has even reached us, who most of us were not part of that original group of people living in Jerusalem, Jewish men and women who heard the gospel that first Pentecost. As much as we rejoice, we can never settle for less than this picture, for less than the completeness, the, full, the fullness of what we see in Revelation 7 around the throne of God. The Bible is so accessible to you and I in the English language and is so accessible to many of the other languages that we ever come in contact with that we can take this for granted very easily. But much remains undone. Much remains undone. 
I don't know if you remember back in 2003, uh, President George W. Bush was on the, uh, the aircraft carrier, the USS Abraham Lincoln, and he was talking about the Iraq War. And there was this massive banner that was unfurled behind him, hanging behind him as he gave this press conference, and it said, Mission Accomplished. Mission Accomplished. And of course, as we know now, the conflict in Iraq was so far from over in those days. And actually, six years later, he very humbly admitted how much of a mistake it was to convey that kind of finality in the midst of something that was so unfinished. Let's not make the same mistake when it comes to the spread of the gospel. Salvation has been accomplished. Let's always remember and proclaim that. It has been accomplished through the finished work of Jesus. But the mission God's redemptive mission to bless all nations of the earth and to gather people from every tribe and language around his throne, that's far from over. Let the substance, as we study it again today, of God's promise to Abraham deepen your belief. When God promised in you all the families, all the families of the earth will be blessed, God was not talking to Abraham about these massive geopolitical nation states. He's talking about much smaller pockets of people. He's talking about people groups. And however you narrow that down, whatever specific number of thousands of people groups you count, because people have different counts of those, that's an unfathomably beautiful reality. That God will have people from all of those families, all of those groups gathered around his throne. Not just the 200-some nations that we have in our world today, but the thousands of people groups. According to the Joshua Project, of the world's more than 17,000 people groups, more than 7,000 of those remain today unreached. 7,000, in other words, families, to use the language of Genesis 12, still needing to be blessed. To put it in in population figures, of the world's 7.5 billion people, more than 3 billion are at this moment unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ about 42% of the world's population. So having seen again, or maybe for the first time, this global scope of the gospel, let's now talk just a little bit about growing in our desire to bless the nations, a deeper belief and a desire to bless. This church, men and women of Liberty Church, this is our role. This is yours and mine to pursue. As Christopher Wright puts it, if we see ourselves, and we should, according to Paul in Galatians, as those who have entered into the blessing of Abraham through faith in Christ, then the Abrahamic commission becomes ours also. If in Christ we inherit Abraham's blessing, we also inherit Abraham's mission. That is to go and be a blessing. If we inherit Abraham's blessing, we also inherit his mission. Or think of it this way. Many of us are familiar, perhaps, with Jesus' great commission. Uh, The very end of the Gospel of Matthew, go and make disciples of all the nations of the earth. I actually don't know if you're allowed to preach a sermon on global mission and not reference the Great Commission. I was about to get my pastor card revoked, so I made sure to include it in there this morning. Here's the thing. Everybody forgets the beginning of Matthew's Gospel. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of who? Abraham. Abraham. 
Matthew's gospel, start to finish, is connecting the dots from the gospel in advance to Abraham, accomplished through the incarnation and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who then at the end of Matthew commissions his church to continue the global mission of God until it is fully actualized around God's throne. Abraham to Jesus, Jesus to his disciples, which is you and which is me. So let's consider some opportunities to further step into our mission to bless the nations. And we'll use, if you've been with us at Liberty Church during the, our Januaries, where we focus on different issues of mercy and justice, we'll use just the same simple grid that we use there. Learn, pray, and act. How can we learn? How can we pray? How can we act as we pursue blessing the nations? Let's talk about how we can learn. There are fantastic resources available to help us become more informed about the global advance of the gospel. I mentioned a moment ago the Joshua Project. Uh, It's uh, joshuaproject.net is the, the website. It's a great place not only to see statistics, but if you want to do a deeper dive and actually get to know something about the real people that those numbers represent, the real people groups, they have fantastic resources about that. Wycliffe, Wycliffe Global Alliance is another great resource. Uh, It gives up-to-date facts about Bible translation. Uh, The ongoing need there is to see the Bible translated into thousands of more languages in which today there are no portions of Scripture in that native language. There are a number also of great missionary sending agencies and organizations that operate in different spheres and different parts of the globe. Uh, And so if you want to learn more about a particular part of the world and opportunities to serve and to pray, to bless that particular place, let me know, let one of our staff members know or our elders know. We'd be happy to connect you with an organization that focuses on a particular part of the world. But all of that to say, let us learn in order to become a world Christian. World Christians. That's a term that was coined by an author named David Bryant about 40 years ago in a book that he wrote. And another author summarized the entire book this way and said this, not every Christian is called to be a missionary in the sense of of physically leaving your home and going to another place. But every follower of Christ is called to be a world Christian. Someone who is so gripped by the glory of God and the glory of his global purpose that he chooses to align himself with God's mission to fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory as the waters cover the sea. It's a reference to the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk, uh, chapter two, when he says that. So let's learn. Let's also pray. Pray for the world. Pray for people who at this moment don't know and follow Jesus. Pray that they would have their eyes opened and that they would put their faith and their trust in him. A little over 200 years ago, in 1806, five students from Williams College in Massachusetts, they were sitting outside one day, and they were talking about the theology of missions. They were talking about specifically the need for the good news of Jesus to reach the people of Asia. And a thunderstorm began. And these five students ran and took shelter inside a haystack. And instead of just talking about missions, they used those moments together, stuck in that haystack, stuck in the thunderstorm, to pray to pray for the advance of the gospel around the world. From that moment, which has since become known as the Haystack Prayer Meeting, the modern missionary movement, at least from North America, was birthed. And it's incredible how many missions organizations, how many missionaries that have been sent out from North America in the last 200 years trace their origins to that moment. 
prayer is certainly for our own intimacy and communion with God. We relate to God. We enjoy his presence as we pray. But prayer is also our arsenal. It's the ultimate source of power that we have to bless the nations and to push back what is dark in the world. For all of our good intentions, for all of our strategies and our conferences and our money, we have no power at all apart from the Holy Spirit's transforming work in the hearts of real people across the world. So let us cry out to God. And not only for our own immediate needs and for the people that are immediately around us. I know, believe me, I know, how overwhelming just that small circle can be at times in your life. And maybe that's where you are right now today. But remembering this global scope of the gospel, remembering our mission, which is global, commit some of your time to prayer to pray for the families, to pray for the nations, to pray for the people groups of the world, that God would reach and rescue them just as he has reached and rescued us. We can learn, we can pray, we can act. There are many ways that you could step into this call to bless the nations. Some of you should go. Some of you should go, physically go to another part of the world. Now, when it comes to to short-term trips, we we need a lot of wisdom to do the right kinds, ones that actually help the people that we're seeking to serve and not hurt them, Uh, ones that aren't just glorified tourism or, or resume builders. But there are good reasons and there are good opportunities to go short term. And there are even better ones to go for longer term. There are people in our church family with experience in going in global missions. And you saw some of them on that video a little while ago. The Millers have spent substantial time overseas. Ann and Wilco have spent time serving in various capacities overseas. There are others. And no doubt in my mind that they and others would be thrilled to sit with you and to talk with you if you're interested in learning more about going. And I would be as well. I would be as well. If you don't go yourself, you can financially support those who do. And we do this together as a church, and then as we have opportunity, we do this as individuals and as families even beyond that. For the sake, I think of it this way, for the sake of the global gospel and for the sake of blessing the nations, it is worth living simply. It is worth living generously and to let your money, as one pastor so aptly put it, blow big holes in the gates of hell. It is worth living simply and generously in your life to let your money across the world blow big holes in the gates of hell. Your money can help do that as part of the kingdom of God. And then, beyond going, beyond financially sending or, or sending people and sending your gifts, you and I can live a going lifestyle here, wherever you are. You can keep your eyes and your ears open. You can be attentive to how God can use you right where you are. How he can use you even to bless the nations of the earth right where you are. People who are incredibly different from you. I love that there are a handful of people in this church family who have befriended and who serve immigrants and refugees in central Pennsylvania. As it's been pointed out, by many, and many smarter than I, when we become reluctant to go to the nations, God sometimes brings the nations to us. And with immigration, to bless the nations right in your own backyard. 
Some people in our church teach ESL classes, English as a Second Language. Uh, others help with the immigration process or other, all other kinds of practical everyday needs. Here's just two that I'm aware of right now. You could sit with a woman from our church who is learning to read and write in English via a class, an online class, at Hack, Harrisburg Area Community College. The class normally would have been in person, uh, but because of the coronavirus pandemic, it's now online. And so in addition to learning English, if that weren't hard enough by itself, she needs help navigating basic computer skills so she can learn and focus on learning English. Would you give a night of your week for the next few weeks to help her do that? Or another opportunity. You can help another refugee in this region get his driver's license by practicing driving with him. Help, help him keep his job and help him continue that process of becoming increasingly self-sufficient. Would you offer a few hours over the coming weeks to help him practice driving so that he can get his license? And there are so many more specific ways that we could act. We don't have time to get into any others today. But be creative and ask God, even as you pray, to open your eyes to the opportunities that are around you all the time. Church, this Pentecost, this day that the Holy Spirit was given to the church, this day on which people from all these nations under heaven heard the mighty works of God in his own native tongue. Let us remember that the gospel we believe, the gospel we proclaim, the gospel that is our only source of life and hope and joy in this world is a global gospel. Promised to Abraham, fulfilled in Jesus, consummated around God's throne for all eternity. Let us believe more deeply that this is good news for all the world. And let us step into our mission to bless all the nations of the earth. Amen. Let me pray for us. Almighty God, who on the day of Pentecost sent the Holy Spirit to the disciples with the sound of wind from heaven and tongues of flame, filling them with joy and boldness to preach the gospel, Send us now out in the power of the same Spirit to witness to your truth. May all nations be blessed through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Liberty Church. To learn more about our church or to listen to previous recordings, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org.